0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Fianta. You know what Christy Matheson wasn't worried about? S-I-E-R-A. When you're thinking about Pedro Siriaco, I mean, the only one that can compete is maybe uh, Hannes Wagner's 1908 season. Over there on the other side of the
1: screen is
0: Daniel Kern.
1: Like, if we just clipped together every time we've talked about him on other people's profiles, we've done a Mickey Cochran episode. I can't get past Rabbit Marinville. It's yeah, it's not necessarily Hall of Fame, it's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And
0: welcome to Above Replacement Radio where we're talking baseball, Tuesdays and Thursdays. I am your host, Chris Over there on my actual right, as you cannot see on YouTube, is... My co-host Daniel Curran, how you doing, Daniel? Chris,
1: I am doing great. We just got some great news, uh, personally between us, and it's also going to be good for ARR.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, for for listenership, we may or may not have some improved an improved podcasting setup starting next fall ish yeah.
1: in our uh, house that we're going to be living in.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, college college life we. Might be a living. We're gonna be living with uh, six other people. <laughs> Sources confirm. You know, passing was was all over it. Yeah. Um, I think. You know, Night, Night- <laughs> Nightingale said we were all gonna be in a single like yeah. dorm area. Yeah. Night Nightingale had us in, uh, uh <laughs> Hall. They said juniors were gonna live there this year. Yeah. Uh, he had it all wrong. But yeah, for 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 uh, listeners. We might have uh, an improved podcasting setup next so, fall. Because full disclosure,
1: yeah, Chris and I—we've been to college together for two years. We've never actually lived together, but next year that's going to change, and that's going to improve uh, the quality for our podcast. Just you know, sound wise, we'll be able to invest more in like a space that we can, like a definitive space that we can use.
0: Yeah, and uh, and like we'll be a lot more time flexible too. Yep, like we <laughs> we could go at. You know, twelve in the morning if we have to. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but um, probably can't be
1: too loud, though.
0: Yeah, probably not too loud. But yeah, it'll be it'll be fun. Good news for us personally, but yeah. Uh, anyway, we are in our finale of division previews today.
1: We are. We are doing the National League East. That is the one we have not done. Really, all five of these teams, you could argue, have a shot at making the playoffs, which is why this division is very exciting.
0: Yeah, you know. The Marlins just came out of nowhere last year. They were, you know, everyone's last place pick, and they ended up in second, securing that automatic playoff bid. And that throws a whole wrench in it, into the NL East because, like, it does. The past probably four years, we've or not four years, two years, we've been saying like National League East. You know, any one of those four could could win that there's division. Been, yeah,
1: like over the last five years, there's been some point where every each and every one of those teams at one point there was a legitimate case to be made for them.
0: Yeah. And now, you know, there's five teams that have, you know, I would say playoff chances, not, you know, teams that are gonna be necessarily guaranteed like over five hundred, but, you know, with some career years could have, you know, playoff shots. You can't say that about virtually any other division. No. So yeah, it's it's exciting. And this you know,
1: this division will probably have the best last place team.
0: Likely, likely so. Yeah, even it if it's not record-wise, just like
1: on the, yeah
0: on on paper for sure. And what what makes this division so intriguing is that the 2019 world champions were tied for last place last year. Mm-hmm. Um, do we start off with the Nationals or the Mets? Because start,
1: I started out with the Nats.
0: Yeah, yeah, because they were kind of. I feel like they were last place, but they had the it same. F- they felt worse. Yeah, they they did. Uh, they're coming off a 26 and 34 season. They lost Kurt Suzuki, Azdrupal Cabrera, Adam Eaton, Howie Kendrick, Eric Thames, Sean Doolittle, and Anibal Sanchez. And they added Josh Bell, Kyle Schwarber, Brad Hand, and John Lester. Uh, Daniel, what player are you looking at?
1: I'm going to talk about one of those players you just mentioned. That is Josh Bell. Nice. Yeah, uh, this this was a no-brainer for me. He absolutely needed to get out of Pittsburgh. Uh, For some context since the start of the second half in 2019 which is sort of widely regarded as when bell's slump started he's never been the same since then he was amazing in the first half of 2019 but ever since the second half started he is a 117 weighted runs created plus when batting on the road and a whopping 59 when batting at home that is quite the discrepancy and it's it's kind of reverse because usually you'd expect someone to be better at home that's not josh bell and he's out of pittsburgh and I really don't think that that trend isn't going to continue in a new ballpark, or at least not to that degree. And honestly, Chris, I think Josh Bell has enough power and talent and in, in a new change of scenery to go off for 40 home runs. Yeah, I think that is absolutely possible.
0: Yeah, he definitely has the uh, potential just with his ability. It's just about putting it together. Uh, the player I'm looking at, I've, for, uh, for whatever reason, I kind of— um, When with players who could help out each team's weaknesses sort of accidentally. I didn't really do it on purpose. But, you know, the Nationals' biggest weakness is probably their bullpen still. So a guy that could help out is Tanner Rainey. Mm -hmm. Uh, He dropped his ERA from 3.91 to 2.66 last year. uh, And his expected ERA dropped from 4.51 to 3.25. And uh, this was largely due to his walk rate almost being cut in half. It went from 17.8% to 9.3%. And he not only that, he improved his strikeout rate from 34.6%, which is already very impressive, to 42.7%, which put him in the 99th percentile for strikeout percentage. Uh, His best weapon is his slider, Uh, so you have to watch out for that pitch. Hitters swung and missed On his slider, 75.5% of the time last year, and they went one for 20 off of it uh, last year with no extra base hits. Uh, So, yeah, Tanner Rainey, you know, they they lost Sean Doolittle. Daniel Hudson wasn't necessarily the same last year, and he's not someone you can really rely on long-term anyway. Tanner Rainey's a bit of a younger guy who can help out as a, you know, a right-handed pitcher out of the bullpen that desperately you know, needs some needs some help. So now on to questions for the Washington Nationals. What do you uh, what do you got?
1: Right. So this is a team that we all you know, we know that the potential's there, but there's a few things that need to happen for it to really come through. So what do you think is more vital to this team's success? Is it Patrick Corbin having a rebound here, or is it Carter Keboom taking that next step? Carter Keboom, he's will be playing third, third base and better base. Ninth according Bad
0: to night. fan graphs um i'm trying to think because the nationals rotation you got scherzer strasburg's coming back and then you know corbin's your third guy you lester lester and maybe like eric fetty i don't know
1: austin both
0: yeah um that's a very tough question i feel like it relies mm-hmm. on you know the potential bounce back years of other guys in the nationals like you know josh bell or Kyle Schwarberg, you know, if if they necessarily need Key Boom to step up. Um, I feel like when the Nationals are at their best, it's when their pitching is at their best. So I'm going to say P- Patrick Corbin having a comeback year. Okay. Um, even though both are pretty necessary. Uh, my question, I feel like, has already been answered. Uh, who will, you know, two big uh acquisitions offensively who will have the better ops this season josh bell or kyle Schwarber? yeah no I'll i'm gonna, take josh I'm gonna mark that. that down for josh for uh josh bell yeah <laughs> and now on to the mets the new york mets they're coming off a 26 and 34 season uh made some splashes
1: they had a hell of an off season. very very good off season. in a very good and very bad way
0: yeah, uh, <laughs> very eventful is the yeah. is the term. Uh, they lost Andres Jimenez, Ahmed Rosario, Wilson Ramos, Stephen Matz, whom uh, my bad, I forgot to include in the Blue Jays editions. <laughs> uh, so he's go- he's off to Toronto. If if you're keeping track at home, Michael Walker they also lost uh, Rick Porcello, Justin Wilson, and Jared Hughes, and they added. You know, All-Star shortstop, one of the best in the game, Francisco Lindor, Carlos Carrasco, James McCann, Taiwan Walker, Aaron Loop, Trevor May, Kevin Pillar, and Jonathan VR. They are all adding uh, to the uh, to the New York team based New out of Queens, club.
1: the New yeah. York Metropolitans.
0: The Metropolitans. Uh, what player are you looking at? I'm going to look at a, I'm
1: looking at a guy who gets who takes a lot of heat from fans, and it's Edwin Diaz. Yes. Because he is probably the unluckiest individual in baseball, and I really think this is going to be a big turnaround year for him. Since 2019, he ranks second among qualified relievers in Ks per nine with 16.03, but his bat-up against is 378. That is the third worst uh, among those same qualified relievers. And his home run to fly ball rate is 23.9%. That means about a fourth of the fly balls he gives up are in the seats. That is the seventh highest in baseball. And there's been a, you know, a report from The Athletic that MLB is going to be deadening the baseballs. Mm-hmm. Guess who's going to benefit from that?
0: Yeah, this guy. Yeah, Give Edwin Diaz. Balls.
1: He's probably going to reestablish himself as one of the best relievers in the game this year. I have all the faith in that.
0: Yeah, Babip, by the way, you know, the average Babip is usually around 300. And a lot of people say that, you know, uh, your, your average, you know, if you're a pitcher and the Babip against is above average, uh, you're getting unlucky because, you know, certain types of things are falling. And a lot of the time that's the case. And it might be the case with Edwin Diaz. And we might see a bounce back year. Well, even though he had a decent year last year. We could see an even better season from Diaz this year, especially with the deadened baseballs. Um, a guy I'm looking at, uh, I think you're a, you're a, you're a decent fan of this guy. He's probably you know not really worrying about the deadening of the baseballs. Uh, Jeff McNeil, because uh, he's you know he just he's just kind of a spray guy. He, mm-hmm. he just hits it in the gaps, gets base hits. Uh, he's been, you know, pretty underrated since he debuted on July twenty fourth, twenty eighteen. He ranks twenty second in the ma- in uh, Major League Baseball in FanGraphs WAR, and that is right between Bryce Harper and Nolan Arenado. Yeah, those are some names <laughs> that he is right in between in terms of wins above replacement. He also ranks fourteenth in weighted runs created plus that is right between ronald acuna jr and bryce harper <laughs> and uh he ranks second in batting average with a 319 batting average he has a lifetime 319 batting average so he's a guy that's been very consistently good since he debuted in july of 2018 and you know he hasn't had the crazy big year like you know a guy like pete alonzo has or um You know, hasn't had, hasn't been a star, you know, pitcher or anything like Like Degrom DeGrom has. Like Degrom has, but McNeil is, has been very consistent for you know the, 14 total months or I guess shortened season, but the two and a half years that he's played. Uh, So on to, questions for the Mets.
1: Yeah, who will? So there's a lot of people that are obviously coming in that weren't on the team last year. Which of the people that weren't on the team last year do you think will be a bigger contributor? Francisco Lindor or Marcus Stroman?
0: Lindor. Because by
1: technicality, he is kind of an addition. He was in the organization last year. He just did not play for the team.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's only, yeah, because he played for for two months in 2019 and then did not play last year. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's a good question. Um, I mean, yeah, Stroman's probably going to be in that, you know, three spot in the rotation, probably behind Degrom and Carrasco. They might put him two or something like that, or they might even put him behind Cindergard. Um, I feel like Lindor naturally is going to have a bigger impact, especially as the days are closing down and we still haven't seen a contract uh, between the two. Although I wouldn't be surprised if just randomly, you know, the the rep, you know there haven't been a lot of reports and they just sign the guy. Just uh, you know like a, a couple of days before the season starts. But uh with that factor, Lindor might be playing for some financial reasons mm. and uh could have a breakout year. That's a good point. Kind of like Machado did uh, a few years back in twenty eighteen. Um so yeah, I'll say I'll say Francisco Lindor. Uh my question uh has has to do with uh one of the guys we've talked about and the uh uh, one of the, one of the additions um, among Carlos Carrasco, Marcus Stroman, and Noah Syndergaard, who will have the best season?
1: I'm going to say Marcus Stroman because Syndergaard's realistically not going to be not going to be back until the summer, and Carrasco's. Uh, I believe he pulled his ham- I believe he had a hamstring injury.
0: Oh, he did very recently. I He's, did not. He
1: definitely he got hurt recently. Uh, I don't know exactly what it was, but just because. Uh, those two won't be starting on opening day. I'm going to say Stroman. It's a safe pick, but also I do think that Marcus Stroman is a really underrated pitcher. Uh, if he did not take the qualifying offer from the Mets, he was going to become the second biggest starting pitcher on the market behind Trevor Bauer.
0: Yeah, that's true. That
1: was going to happen.
0: Yeah, um, and he's taking a, taking a chance on himself this year. Uh, he believes in what the Mets are doing this year and can, uh, can benefit from it because it's another contract year for the guy
1: the fan uh, graph isn't loading right now, so I can't. Oh, okay. Um, injury reports. Carlos report. Carrasco. Oh, elbow soreness. Slash. Yeah, strained strained hamstring. Uh, right as of right now, there is no timetable for his return. Uh, Noah Syndergaard is questionable for the season. So yeah, I think Marcus Stroman is a safe pick here. But honestly, like I really do think he can be a solid number two behind a Grom and even an ace on some other teams.
0: Yeah, yeah. He he's definitely shown that he had a. I think he was a top five cy young finisher in 2017 that was, sounds about right uh, uh, yeah a few years back but nonetheless and you know he was one of the top trade targets in in the middle of the 2019 season because he had a very good year mm-hmm. that year so uh yeah to... was
1: he finished eighth in the cy young in 2017
0: eighth all right he yeah. got he Still got votes. solid he got votes uh on to the Phillies, who have been a, a colossal disappointment each of the past two years. <laughs>
1: they brought on Dave Dombrowski.
0: Yes. Uh, they're coming off a 28-32 season. They lost Jake Arrieta, Phil Gosselin, Blake Parker, Brandon Workman, Heath Hembry, and David Phelps, so not too much there. They also added Brad Miller, Brandon Kinsler, uh, Archie Bradley, Tony Watson, Jose Alvarado, ivan nova and of course jeff mathis who will be uh, a key a key contributor behind the plate
1: absolutely on the days that Real muto can't do that
0: yes um so what player are you looking at for the phillies
1: <sighs> okay this this pick is either going to blow up in my face or i'm going to be a 2000 iq genius You might not even know that this player is on the Phillies. You might not even know that he is in Major League Baseball. My player for the Phillies is Matt Moore. Matt Moore. Matt Moore. The Game 1
0: ALDS starter of the 2013
1: Tampa Bay Rays. You're goddamn right. His last Major League experience, Chris, he pitched 10 innings for the Detroit Tigers. He gave up zero earned runs can you can you pitch better than that can you give up any less runs than zero uh no no i don't think you can he did it Actually, in 10 innings let me you know let
0: me look at the fan glossary i'll see if i can
1: yeah, muster yeah, something yeah.
0: Up. Uh, after some rigorous research uh, we found nothing that could be no, better than that
1: there's no way So I know, 10 innings, shutout innings in 2019, it's not a very good sample size to go off of, but that's okay, because that's not all I'm going to go off of, of course. In 2020, Matt Moore went to Japan, and he pitched for the Fukuoka SoftBank Hawks. He threw 85 innings for them, had a 2.65 ERA, and 10.4 strikeouts per nine, 2.8 walks per nine. He had an excellent year uh, in Japan in 2020. He's now with the Phillies, and not to mention, he's been kind of tearing it up in spring training. I know that that doesn't really mean anything, but it is encouraging to see that in uh, three appearances, he's 2-1 with a two-two-five ERA. So, yep. Matt Moore, I'm expecting to come back here. And he may, listen, he may not win the Cy Young, he may not get Cy Young votes, but he could very well be a serviceable piece in that rotation that is very shaky. Yeah, after there's, after a few guys there's few
0: things i enjoy more in baseball than like a japan comeback story where yeah. the guy just a guy just goes to japan for however long then comes back to the mlb that's the that's the ryan Vogel song uh, mm-hmm. story you know it's it, the eric Thames story the eric thame Except story that was in korea in korea yeah i just love that story so yeah and you know 10 scoreless innings in the bigs last year two years ago uh, or two years ago in uh, 2019 that could uh, that could go a long way, and the Phillies' starting pitching staff different uh, desperately needs yeah, help. Like
1: they have two really good guys at the top of that rotation, but then it's not very good.
0: It's a very steep decline, yeah, as they say. So the, for the Phillies, you know, I didn't I didn't go deep because, like, because I did that because th- yeah, there's that and <laughs> <laughs> and like. Either if you're on the Phillies, either you're extremely, extremely good, you know, one of the best at your position or you're not very good at all. So I just chose one of the really good players to talk about just to highlight. Uh, He was my MVP pick last year. I'm going with the way with you went with the Yankees with uh, Aaron Judge last week. I'm going to go with Bryce Harper.
1: Uh, I've never heard of this guy.
0: Yeah, he he. Finished ninth in the NL and OPS last year and 4th in on-base percentage. And you could argue he got a little unlucky. It's pretty wild. His his WOBA was 400, but his ex-WOBA, uh, according to Baseball Savant, was 453. It's 53 points higher uh, was what was expected uh, from the batted balls he hit last year. His expected WOBA was in the 99th percentile. Last season. Also, his batting average was 268, but his expected batting average was 308, a 40 point difference there. And his expected batting average, you know, you don't really hear uh, Bryce Harper as a big batting average guy. His expected batting average was in the 96th percentile in 2020. So I would expect, uh, you know, he had a very good year last year, you know, 962 OPS. Uh, I would expect another very good year, possibly even better from Bryce Harper. So on to questions.
1: Yes. And you know, you said there's a lot of really good players and a lot of not so good players. Someone who's kind of under the radar, I'd say, on this team is Alec Baum. He was the runner-up, the co-runner-up for Rookie of the Year last year. I have a different type of question. What do you think is the ceiling for Alec Baum's OPS in 2021?
0: The ceiling for Alec Baum's OPS. And he was 881... Last season Look at that As, Off
1: the top of his head He did not see my screen
0: Yeah and Well I, I was Very well Well studied Wow uh, From today The ceiling uh, I would say the ceiling Is uh 950 Okay Yeah
1: Mine would have been 960 So we're right in the same ballpark
0: Right in the Yeah we were, we're thinking on the same plane
1: And I mean realistically Like if 950 is the ceiling I mean obviously That's the highest possible Place you think it can go there's no reason he can't do like 920, 930. Yeah. And that's as a, excellent. As
0: a 24-year-old. Mm-hmm. Uh, my question also involves Alec Bohm. Nice. Uh, so Reese Hoskins had an 887 OPS last year.
1: And he had an 881. Uh, that's well. That, who will
0: have the highest between them in 2021? Well,
1: that's, uh, I guess that kind of takes away from how impressive it was that you had that. Like <laughs> yeah. that. Yep. Um, I'm going to say Alec Boehm. I mean, I think he really... Uh, Reese Hoskins has had injury problems in the past. I mean, I'm definitely worried about his ability to stay on the field. And Alec Baum is younger. He came up as a highly, a more highly touted prospect. And mm-hmm. I feel like we've already seen the best of Reese Hoskins. Not that he can't perform well now, but like remember in 2017 when he was coming up and hitting dingers every single day? Yep. We're not going to see play from that level again. Uh, I still think he can serve as a mid-8s OPS guy, maybe yeah. even high 8s like he yeah. did last year.
0: Yeah, he's a he's a big on base like he's a guy big walks guy. Yeah, low average, but you know he he's able to hit home runs for you. But yeah, like that's not unreasonable to expect out of him. Yeah, mid eights OPS. So I'm gonna
1: I'm gonna say Alec Baum for this question.
0: Yes, so you heard it from Daniel. He believes Alec Baum will have the highest OPS between him and Reese Hoskins. On to the bottom feeders, the Miami Marlins. They're coming off a 31 and 29 season where they were eliminated in the NLDS. So they won the wild card round, lost the division series. Uh, they also, in terms of personnel, they lost Francisco Cervelli, Jose Urania, and Jordan Yamamoto, and they added Adam Duvall, Anthony Bass, and Gio Gonzalez. So some very Marlins-like acquisitions, just random guys probably in their 30s, uh, just. Floating around, uh, floating
1: around in the in the Florida Sea, and
0: not not in the tank anymore.
1: Not in the no, not in the tank. It's gone.
0: Yeah, they just removed everything that they introduced. Derek Jeter really is taking
1: away everything. He took away the mascot. He took away the sculpture. Now he's taking away the damn tank.
0: Yeah, they took away every All Star from that team, from like before 2014 twenty fourteen on. Yeah, twenty fourteen on. Uh, what player are you looking at from uh, from the bottom feeders?
1: They added Adam Duvall, and literally no one cared. Yeah. That is a that is a much bigger acquisition than it got recognized as.
0: That's very true.
1: Uh, Adam Duvall. I, I didn't go too deep on him, but I'm just going to be uh, you know short and sweet with it. He has the 8th highest slugging percentage among outfielders since 2019, with a 545. That is minimum 300 plate appearances. Uh, he is one of the best sluggers in the game. He has been since he really took off in 2016 that was the year he was in the home run derby he's still gonna be doing it for the bottom feeders i, I believe in it yeah and that's I, uh, a huge bet in the middle of your lineup
0: i also selected adam duvall because yeah. for the exact same reasons like this got totally swept under the rug uh he was tied for third in the national league in home runs last season and uh over the last two years he has an 852 ops he's just like you know because you know uh when the Marlins beat the When the Marlins beat the Cubs last year it was just an assortment of, of random guys who were able to hit home runs for them. I feel like Duvall is just going to be that guy this year that just the random guy who performs well. But you know it's not really random that he's performing well because he's been performing well the past couple of years with the Braves. Um, so yeah, consensus pick Adam Duvall yeah. is the guy to watch absolutely uh, with the Marlins this upcoming season. Uh, so on to questions for the Marlins.
1: My question, Fangraphs has Jesus Aguilar with a 434 slugging percentage this year. They have Brian Anderson with a 434 slugging percentage this mm. year. Who slugs more? Uh, Brian?
0: Okay. Because, yeah, Aguilar is more of a... He'll have a, a higher ISO. Mm-hmm. Anderson is more of a guy who... We'll have a higher average and get on base more. And I think that's going to be more reliable. And I think Brian Anderson is going to have a higher slugging percentage this year, especially with the deadening of the baseball. It's going to be harder for Aguilar to hit home runs, which is what he's there for. Mm -hmm. And Anderson is going to be able to, you know, still be able to get like doubles and singles and things of that nature. My question uh, who will lead the Marlins in ERA Minimum 120 innings pitched
1: I'm going to look at Sandy Alcantara yes. I think that a lot of eyes are going to be on Sixto Sanchez This year, but I really do think that Alcantara, first of all, he's been excellent At spring training, and once again, I know that doesn't matter uh, as, I, as I cite A spring training set for the second yeah. time uh, He's pitched 12 and two, two-thirds innings uh, Zero ERA yeah. Zero ERA 13.5 strikeouts per nine, 5.7 walks per nine. I know that isn't great, but, hey, he's doing it.
0: Yeah, I I asked that question because uh, Pablo Lopez had a 3.61 last year. Uh, what well, would, well, would it have been if not for that one start? <laughs> oh, my God.
1: Probably like a 3 Mid-2s? <laughs>
0: I don't know. Uh, Sandy Alcantara was, I think, a 3-flat, and uh, Sixto Sanchez was 3 Three, four, six. So they were in the same ballpark, ERA, ERA wise, and they're uh, a few young righties that are probably the biggest reason to watch the Marlins this year to watch, or at least watch out for them because they're a pretty elite trio
1: mm-hmm.
0: after after last season. So on to the NL East champion, almost National League champion, Atlanta Braves. They're coming off a thirty-five and twenty-five season. They lost Adam Duvall. Uh, they also lost Nick Marcakis, Tyler Flowers, Darren O'Day, Mark Melanson, and also Shane Green is still on the market, so I guess they can still get him back. Uh, Very weird
1: that he hasn't been signed.
0: Yeah, because he's, like, he had a good year last year. Yeah, He didn't he blow make, up. He
1: can make your team better. And he, you know what? If you're not competing, he can be trade bait. Exactly. And then he can make your team better.
0: Exactly, exactly. Um, the Braves added charlie morton jason kipnis and jake lamb uh who may help out at third base with austin riley also there uh what player are you looking at from the atlanta braves
1: chris come on now
0: the player come
1: on now you what braves player am i looking at as if i don't talk about him every single waking moment on this show that i can yeah You know I'm already looking at Ian Anderson because I've been looking at him since he was in high school. Uh, Ian Anderson last year became the fourth starting pitcher in baseball history. Chris, you know what that means. (laughs)
0: Let
1: me start that again. Ian Anderson became the fourth starting pitcher in baseball history with 30-plus innings pitched, 11 Ks per nine, and one or less home run allowed. Now, I know that those home run numbers might not be sustainable. He only gave up one in his first start to Luke Voigt, and that was it. But still, really impressive stuff uh, from the Shenandoah rookie last year. And uh, the three starting pitchers he joins on that list are uh, Henry Porter, Ed Cushman, and THE only Nolan. Let's go. (laughs) They all did it in 1884.
0: Yeah, I mean, everyone, every pitcher who ever did anything did it in 1884 yep or you know
1: i'm gonna be honest i would not have listed the starting pitchers if the only (laughs) nolan wasn't there
0: yeah so you know that makes him only pitcher in the modern era yeah uh since only pitcher since
1: 1884 to do that yeah that's right and by the way there is a player there's a documented baseball player by the name of the only nolan yes all spaces
0: yeah, it wasn't that wasn't a you know a nickname. That's his ba- that's the name on his baseball reference page.
1: Well, his actual name it says like something different. Uh, but yeah, that doesn't matter.
0: It's <laughs> like yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's pretty like wild. Last
1: week, last week we talked about uh, Spud Chandler. This week it's the only Nolan.
0: Yeah, and you know Spud Chandler just doesn't get enough airtime. <laughs> you know, we, we had to do it.
1: We, uh, his name is Edward Sylvester Nolan
0: edward sylvester wow but that's, that's you know name. him
1: as the only nolan
0: yeah i mean i guess if you have that many syllables in your name you
1: just and it's 1884 and they're too lazy
0: yeah you're just by the like, way he did right. this
1: in the, in the ua so he was facing fred dunlap
0: oh wow yeah that's <laughs> that's not a although Although yeah, he also
1: had eleven strike eleven point yeah he had eleven point th- seven strikeouts per nine in eighteen eighty four. The
0: league the league ops in the Union Association was below six hundred. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so
1: it makes, but he still had to face Fred Dunlap.
0: Yeah, Fred Dunlap had a two fifty
1: six ops plus. Yeah,
0: and it was on an O... Op, the ops was barely over a thousand. Mm-hmm. This is you know real inside stuff, but like that's very unusual. Usually. Like a guy who has an OPS around a thousand. It's and, like a one
1: sixty five.
0: Yeah, in the in the MLB today is it, Yeah, around one sixty five, one seventy.
1: His was two fifty six. His was two fifty six. You know. And he was facing. I mean, I mean, when you're facing pitchers like the only Nolan, Harry Porter, and Ed Cushman, like what what can you expect? Yeah,
0: it was a pitcher dominated league. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like it. It was very hard to it was very hard to we're hit all, off these we're guys. all three
1: of those pitchers in the Union Association.
0: Um it it's very possible. It, they probably were. Let's look at 1884.
1: Yep. Yep. Okay, so it's, it's all on Ed Cushman. So that would mean he's the only person in National League history, which is actually even more impressive. Yeah, he is. Yep, he was in the UA. Actually, I think I think two out of the three at least were on the same team. And Ed Cushman and Harry Porter were all on the same team. That yeah. team had to have they went oh, they went 8 and 4. <laughs> the Milwaukee, oh, the 1884 Milwaukee Brewers of the Union Association. Yeah. went 8 and 4 with two of the best pitchers in the league.
0: Yeah, the Union Association. They were just uh,
1: they were in second place just 35 and a half games behind the 94 and 19 St. Louis Maroons.
0: Yeah, the the Union Asa- Association was hilarious cuz like four teams just dipped after like 10 games. <laughs> and then you got the St. Louis Maroons <laughs> who were absolutely tearing it up. I don't know if they won some of those games via forfeit, but Yeah, an eight thirty-two win-loss percentage. You know the
1: long, the long question, the million-dollar question: Who would win, the nineteen twenty-seven (laughs) Yankees or the eighteen eighty-four St. Louis Maroons?
0: Yeah, yeah. I remember, you know, when the Dodgers went forty-three and seventeen last year, everyone was saying, you know, try doing this over a one hundred thirteen-game season like the St. Louis Maroons did.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, they had got you know they had Fred Dunlap, of course. They had uh, Buttercup Dickerson. Oh yeah.
0: Oh my god. Yeah, they had yeah.
1: Sleeper Sullivan. <laughs>
0: this is a this is a great yeah. Names team. Yeah, and uh, alone. and they went 94 They 19. had five
1: starting pitchers. The worst one had a 2.01 ERA. Like, <laughs> what, what are you doing, Charlie Hodnett?
0: And that 2.01 ERA garnered like a 100 ERA plus. No, it was a 151. One, okay. Look at it's these guys. That's still impressive. Look at these guys.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh
0: so shout out to the 1884
1: Oh, dude, look at Charlie's picture.
0: Charlie Hodnett.
1: Yeah, yeah. It that looks was a like, two hundred one. Right? Looks
0: like a pencil sketch right there, yeah. an unfinished pencil sketch.
1: So anyway, who's your player on the Braves? Um, <laughs> for
0: for uh, my player, you know, I'm addressing one of their potential weaknesses because they did lose Darren O'Day, uh, Mark Melanson, and potentially, probably Shane Green. So I'm going to need uh I get need Minter up and up and moving. <laughs> get Minter up and moving. We're going to need to get Minter up and moving. Very AJ, good reference. AJ Minter. You you're the one that showed me that actually. I did.
1: I showed it to someone else very recently too.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a great video. You know, just just look it up.
1: <laughs> look up Texas A&M bullpen call. So after never
0: having a ground ball rate above 40 in a season, he had a 50% ground ball rate in 2020 uh and he brought it's beautiful
1: his... the things that happen in a 60 game season
0: yeah it you know it maybe it's a trend maybe it's... I remember
1: we were talking about this too we were like before the season we were like we're gonna have so many great stats to go off of <laughs> yeah before the 2021 season because everything is gonna be so skewed
0: yeah we'll just we'll treat them all as legitimate stats yeah. it, it, it'll mm-hmm. be fine no don't worry about it uh <laughs> yeah it's so it's keep walking it's so hard to uh legitimize everything, but he did bring his line drive percentage below league average uh, in 2020 as well, and he allowed two earned runs in 21 and two-thirds innings pitch, and he had a 2.92 expected ERA, which was in the 89th percentile in the league. So he was supposed to be good uh, is what the expected stats show. This is a tweet from 2015. Uh, (laughs) That's hilarious. A tweet from Andy Martino. Andy Martino. Jacob DeGrom gets all the publicity, but Michael Pineda is better. That was in 2015. Uh, nice to see. He but nailed yeah. it, too. But yeah, uh, I mean,
1: DeGrom was coming out from Rookie of the Year. He nailed that take.
0: He did, yeah. Yeah, Pineda was... Uh, DeGrom was, was the hype train. Um, but, yeah, Minter, AJ Minter, he's a guy that will probably step up uh, in the Braves bullpen, now that they've lost a few guys, so he, he might be pitching some later innings, some more um, high-stress situations. I believe is what the term is. Mm-hmm. So yeah, expect except, expect expect uh, Minter to get up and moving a little later in games. Uh, what question do you have regarding the Atlanta Braves? Yeah.
1: So Ian Anderson is one of the many uh, young real, young starting pitchers they have. Which of these two young starting pitchers do you think has a better chance of taking a step forward? Is it Kyle Wright or is it Bryce Wilson?
0: Kyle Wright or Bryce Wilson. Uh, yeah, Bry- Bryce Wilson just had the r- most random great game four. He
1: he beat Kershaw. He beat
0: Kershaw, sure. and it was like, all right, that's probably the end of the series. He can't
1: beat Bry- Bryce Wilson. Good luck against Max Fried and yeah. Ian Anderson.
0: Yeah, and then the Dodgers just came back. Pretty wild. Uh, so, yeah, Bryce... Wilson, uh, he had that good game. Kyle Wright has been more highly regarded, but he, he just hasn't been able to put it together um, for a while. When did he come into the league? Like 2019.
1: Kyle Wright. Yeah. Yeah,
0: 19. Um, I'm gonna say just for the playoff performance, I'll say Bryce Wilson. Okay. I don't. Yeah, cause I don't Kyle know. Wright
1: did not have a very good playoff performance.
0: Yeah, I don't. Did he have a good regular season performance?
1: Nah, not because really. Cuz I remember
0: no. the numbers just not being very good. Cuz I
1: remember we were like
0: at some point, we were like the Braves like. are
1: going to need to win games 1 and 2 yeah. because games 3 and 4 are a wash. Yeah, yeah. We were right on one of them.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: I mean, we were I mean, if we're going to be right, they, the Dodgers scored 11 runs in the first inning.
0: Mhm. Yeah, they off uh, off Kyle Wright. Mm-hmm. Part part mostly off Kyle Wright. Uh my question similar to my Matt's question in that, you know, like the Mets definitely have a clear guy who's their number one. Right now there's a clear guy who, who's their number one, but he, he's more likely to be taken over. But who will lead in wins above replacement among Charlie Morton, Mike Soroka, and Ian Anderson?
1: I'm not going to say Soroka because he's not going to be ready for the season. So, I mean, it comes down to Morton and Anderson, and you know what I'm going to do.
0: Yeah, you're going to say Ian Anderson. Yeah,
1: I am I am all in on the Ian Anderson trade. Yeah. I've been there since day one, and I'm not hopping off.
0: There we go. Well, that we've previewed all thirty teams yeah. for the twenty twenty one season. How about
1: it? Ha, yeah, absolutely. It's been uh, we've done this for what five weeks now. Five weeks. Yeah. We had one week where we did two divisions, and now we got some news to go over because we forgot that there was news uh, before the show. So, yeah. Dayton Moore is out signing some papers. Salvador Perez. The longtime catcher of the Kansas City Royals Entering his age 31 season Has been locked up Before his contract year He signs an 8 year 82 and a half, Or wait 4, four year. year 82 and a half million dollar deal to Stay with Kansas City uh, This was This came as a shock to me And it's not necessarily because Of Salvador Perez getting extended with Kansas City Like that makes sense to me yeah. You know he helped you win a World Series He's been there ever since He led all catchers in F4 last year Mm-hmm. but really four years and $82 million uh, for the highest paid player in franchise history.
0: Yeah. And like he missed all of 2019 as well.
1: And he only played a few games in 2020. I think he played 37 games.
0: Yeah. He played, yeah. He didn't qualify uh, for like, you know, the batting title or, or whatever. He no. won uh you know, we disagreed with this, but I believe he won all MLB catcher of the year. Uh, on He was on the all MLB team. And, you know, 2018, 713 OPS, 2017, 792 OPS. He's not a $20 million a year I guy. Don't, I don't, like, listen,
1: <laughs> I have many takeaways, the first of which is that I'm happy the Royals are spending money. That's a small market team, and we're currently in an era where a lot of teams are kind of scared to spend money, especially uh, a certain team within the Royals division mm-hmm. that we will not name because we're not supposed to name them, and also because they're dead to me. Oh, right. Um... I'm very glad to see them spending the money because, you know, good for them for going out and doing it, but there are much better ways to to spend $82.5 million.
0: Yeah, like, uh, very very weird. I mean, you know, you're you're happy for Salvador Perez. He's a very likable player and has given some good moments in baseball history in general, most notably, I guess, uh, 2014 AL wildcard game. He walked it off.
1: He was the, I mean, he was the World Series MVP.
0: Oh, right. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He was the uh, yeah, 2015 yeah, World Series moment. MVP. Yeah, like, very fun player to watch. But, yeah, it, it just seems like a crazy overpay, especially coming from the Royals. You just don't expect them to overpay on a guy that much.
1: Yeah, you know, so this contract, it doesn't start this year because he's going to go into his regular contract. And then after after 2021, that's when this whole thing starts. He's gonna be pay- getting paid 22 million dollars chris in his age 35 season
0: yeah and like
1: that and for a catcher who hasn't been offensively outstanding since probably like 14 15 maybe 16 yeah I don't I don't know if that's a recipe for success
0: yeah I mean you look at you know catchers in their mer- mid 30s recently who had who were much better than Perez like Joe Mauer wasn't the same Buster Posey, not the same. He's
1: not even 35.
0: Yeah, Buster Po. yeah, he's not even 35 yet, but a like guy Perez who
1: debuted before him.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty crazy to consider. Like a guy who's been in the league as long as Posey is getting this type of money. Yeah, it's it's weird to see, but, you know, I guess I guess you are happy for for Perez. Yeah, and that doesn't
1: even include a club option after uh in 2026.
0: Yeah, that's true. You know, the club is considering Which, I
1: don't know. I don't know if that's getting picked up.
0: Yeah, I don't know how yeah, how like, much that is. he's going to be
1: he's getting he's now the second highest paid catcher in baseball.
0: Yeah, and, and it, like
1: yeah. This I feel like this move, like I'm happy, you know, I'm happy for the Royals. I'm happy for Salvador Perez, but this move could have be, been made with half the amount of money like if i saw royals inc salvador perez to a four-year 41 million dollar extension i'm thinking oh, okay like that's reasonable it's, i might like I it's might not even,
0: really a news story if that's the if that's the case like too. i
1: might even be like oh oh did i say what did i did i mess something up there
0: yeah Um, no 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 i'm just i'm saying like if it's four years 41 it's like oh another royals extension i'm just
1: like oh okay sure yeah because they've already gotten hunter dozier and they've already gotten whit merrifield yeah they've already locked up some guys this looks like a regular royals Royals extension like that that money should have went to not that money but like some of that should have went to jorge soler that's a guy you want to keep around
0: yeah yeah a guy who's in his like late 20s i think Mm
1: mm-hmm He's just a year removed from, or two years removed from, setting the franchise record for home runs. He literally did it in the most recent season where that p- could possibly have happened.
0: Yeah, hit one 484 feet, like yeah. a, a, yesterday or something. Yeah, he did. It was, it was pretty insane. And yeah, a guy who has a, a ton of a ton of power, solar power.
1: And is, even like you know, I'm sure yeah, you also saw Twitter. like right around the same time it was announced that Bobby Wood Jr. is not going to be coming up. Uh, at the start of the season, we all know what that means. Yeah. They could have avoided the whole bad PR move by giving him an extension like they did to Perez uh, or, you know, giving some of that, some of Perez money to Witt.
0: Yeah. I, I don't know. It's weird. Like, because this, the Royals are focused on probably the future, like, I don't know, two or three years from now. They don't have much direction right now. They're like, you know, they don't necessarily have a great farm system. And they don't necessarily have a very talented roster, so it's weird, I'm gonna be honest, it's weird think, to invest that much in the I think the they next do four have, years. I think
1: they do have the talent. I mean not to make the playoffs, but I think they could surprise a lot of people this year, and I'll get more into that next week. But the Royals do have a lot of talent and it feels like there's a lot of guys that could be locked up right now that uh, you know, Salvador Perez might be sort of taking away from. And I don't you know, I'm not blaming him at all. I'm not blaming the Royals for wanna keep wanting to keep a franchise player. But, mm-hmm. you know, I'm all for, uh, keeping that guy around, but, you know, there's a, there's a time and place for, to spend that kind of money.
0: Yeah. That, that is a good, a good point. Uh, you bring up because there are a lot of guys who could be getting that money. So like, Ben Attendee's ben only got Intendee. two years left. If yeah. he
1: blossoms in Kansas city, that's a guy you want to keep around. Yeah.
0: Yeah. They just traded for him. Yeah. He's got two more years of, of, uh, control left. Yeah. 17 to 22. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah uh who who else on the roster?
1: That's kind of it yeah. I mean outside I like maybe uh, Brad Keller
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, even though uh, I, he's not, I don't, I don't think, think he has that much service time on it yeah his obviously, belt. like
1: he's not even our eligible yet, so yeah. maybe worry about him later, but I mean you know four years down the road, that might be you, know, you might be thinking, oh, I wish we had an extra 22 mil.
0: Yeah, it's just one of those things where you think about where the Royals will be in whatever 2024 2025 and they're just going to be like uh why did we why did we sign this i mean like
1: it's hard to imagine salvador perez is a 22 million dollar a year catcher right now but think about what that's going to look like in 2025
0: yeah it's not not great no like like it's it's going to look like you know joe maward buster posey territory Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or he's just kind of there as a morale guy. Exactly. Um,
1: so that's kind of all we have, I think.
0: But yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much all the news that happened over the, over the past week. I mean, like this upcoming week and potentially the week after is kind of when we might start seeing some big extensions. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, yeah, like Lindor is a guy. Freeman. Freeman. Freeman and Lindor are like the two biggest guys. Maybe... Corey Seager, I don't know if is he going to go to the market. We'll see about him. Yeah, there's a ton of shortstops out there. Trevor Story is definitely going to the market.
1: I saw a post uh, on Instagram. I want. I'm trying to find where it was. It may. Have, it may have been satire. Okay. Yeah. Talking baseball. Fernando Tatis Jr. for Corey Seager. Straight up, who says no? <laughs> I, I think the Padres say no. Yeah. Because are you really going to trade your? You're super superstar superstar shortstop for a the guy with one year franchise. For a guy with one year of, of a contract left. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, fourteen years for, for one year. <laughs> yeah.
1: Give me that any day. And like, you could probably argue that Corey Seager is better than Tatis right now, but yeah. I mean what are we doing with yeah. that question?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's pretty silly to say.
1: If the I, the Dodgers should slam the yes button on that one.
0: Yeah. Um What other extension there's not gonna be uh there aren't really any good starting pitchers with one year left. It's mostly yeah, the the that shortstop class and then Freddie Freeman. Exactly. And Freddie Freeman's thirty two now, thirty I think he's heading into his age thirty two season. That sounds about right. So if he gets an extension it'll probably be five or six years maybe. Yeah. Um so yeah. Uh yeah, he you were talking to me earlier. Off the record about how disappointing that would turn out If they don't if they don't end up extending him mm-hmm. uh, Especially that they've given Ozuna the money It could just be a thing where they're going for it in, in 2021 And seeing what happens after that
1: it fe- It's very scary because if, if they don't sign Freeman It feels like this is the last year of their championship window Like that is a huge piece to be left out the door Especially in the division they're in like, it's hard to imagine them competing without Freeman.
0: Yeah, especially, you know, you know, you have what Freeman does on the field, but I imagine he's a a good clubhouse guy, a good guy to have around. You know, he's a guy who's been there for
1: the entire time. He was there in 2013 when they lost in the playoffs. He's been there every year yeah, since. He's been there
0: over a decade mm-hmm. uh, with that club and, you know, knows everybody. You know, everyone who's been in that clubhouse has interacted with Freddie Freeman. So it would be a morale drain if he had to leave for free agency uh yeah it would it would stink but maybe it's the thing where the braves are like we can sit back because if he goes to free agency his likely spot might be atlanta yeah and just like wait wait for that to happen i would
1: save your, i would save the stress yeah I, mean, uh, I don't even want to give him that opportunity to leave
0: yeah yeah i would be yeah yeah we talked about it um at the beginning of the off season, like whether they would want to invest in Ozuna or Freeman if given the choice, and we both said Freeman.
1: But if you can do both, do both.
0: For sure, yeah. Definitely. Especially now that you've actually given the money to mm-hmm. Ozuna. I mean, that's a terrifying, I believe, 3-4 combo they got going. Mm-hmm. Uh, if that... To go
1: along with Acuna yeah. and Albies and <laughs> yeah. Darno.
0: Oh, my God. What an offense. Yeah, and then... If you get if you can get Austin Riley going and uh, Dansby, and uh, yeah, Dansby Dansby Swanson who had a uh, a good year last year. He was a he was guy I was thinking about putting for a player to watch, but uh, I you know I had to get but you had minter- to get Minter up and going. I had to get I had to get a uh, Minter up and moving for sure, getting going. Uh, but yeah, that concludes our National League East preview and a little dose of news we hope you enjoyed this one uh, if you want to follow us on social media follow me on twitter at chris underscore Giant, to follow daniel on both twitter and instagram at daniel underscore Curren, and follow the show instagram for all the updates at above replacement radio on instagram and uh we hope you enjoyed our national league east preview and we hope to see you on thursday for the player finale of the history series. Wow. Where we talk about Walter Johnson. Uh, See you then.